morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. Welcome to Red Voices, guys. A pleasure to have you with us after United's magnificently unexpected 2-0 win over Chelsea this Sunday afternoon. And if you saw that coming after Thursday's draw with Enderleth in the Europa League, then I'm chucking into Niagara Falls because your backside is on fire, Sora Madam. Fire! Rich, how are you? Hello! Chipper. Energised, enthused, remembering how football, how exciting football can be. This is the happiest I have ever heard you sound about anything. That's because we've been shit at football since ever since I've known you. <laughs> Essentially, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, look, you know, we, we we do need to start with Anderlecht just for the purposes of continuity. But a couple of quick words on Chelsea before we uh, we get mired in uh, Thursday's draw. That was the most I have enjoyed a United display, or the best United display that I think I've seen since Ferguson retired in terms of a game where we seemed, to a man, from front to back, to be almost completely on it, playing to a system that got the best out of the likes of Rashford and Lingard, where everyone seemed to be on the same page, and just to come at Chelsea, considering how they've been you know, just sauntering towards the title at a canter. You know, is that, that's probably a contradiction, sauntering towards the title at a canter, but still, you know what I mean. Basically, they've been strolling towards it, you know, seemingly in an impregnable run. And to see us pull off this performance, as it was as enjoyable as it was unexpected. It was strange, wasn't it? Because one of the complaints we've had, or one of the things we've, we've highlighted in recent weeks, is how the attackers in the team appear to not have a particular a large amount of direction. Um, it all seems quite freestyle. There doesn't seem to be a pattern to the way we attack. And so we've ended up in recent games kind of just ending up chucking in crosses and losing for, uh, long balls forward because we've run out of ideas. The game today was the absolute antithesis of that. It was Today was what we thought we were getting, or maybe we have got in Mourinho if he can replicate it, which is micromanaging a team. You know, every player on that pitch had a specific role and they knew exactly mm. what they were supposed to do. And there was no there was no confusion over where they should be or what they should do or how we should attack. You know that was a micromanaged team. That's the kind of that's the kind of managerial performance that Conte's pulled off all season. You know he he as even had has I've recently said. You know he he really does micromanage every aspect of the team, including the attack. And we've really seen it. It's almost the master micromanager has been outdone by a guy who doesn't seem to have done any micromanaging this season and saved it all up for today gloriously. Oh gosh, I mean, Glorious doesn't even begin to cover it. But we will we will come back to this afternoon's festivities at Old Trafford after we've had a quick word about what happened in Belgium on Thursday night. As unexpected as uh, today's result against Chelsea was, Rich, the way in which we conceded a late equaliser to Anderlecht was completely, completely predictable, unfortunately, wasn't it really? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I should start off by saying that, you know, one will draw away from home in Europe is always a reasonably decent result. From that perspective, it you know, come away very much favourites for the tie. But the way the game unfolded was particularly annoying because we'd seen it so often this season in that we were by far the better team, I thought, for most of the game and probably should have put two or three past them before the notorious Fellaini substitution, the notorious Fellaini sabotage and obviously then conceding the goal from their one shot on target all night right at the end, which, you know... it. Was a de- it was a decent result, but the way it happened was particularly annoying. And it was, it was just very normal. I was talking there about how our attacking was so micromanaged today. It, it was the the old. I still like to say the old, as if we're now going. It's all going to be completely different. But it was. It was. Hmm. 
the the other end of the spectrum, you know, we, we, we were very, very slow. We moved the ball incredibly slowly. I thought Ibrahimovic had a very very poor game. He struggled to hold the ball up and everything was just very laboured and we we could have taken that team apart. If we'd have, if we'd have played on Thursday with the intensity that we played and the direction that we played with today, we could have put four or five past them easily. So decent result, annoying the way it came about. For sure. I mean, I think the, the frustration comes in particular from the fact that, you know, we've gotten to a decent stage in the game where we were essentially running the show to a certain extent. I mean, Underleft weren't really posing too much of a problem. I mean, they, they had a couple of instances where they had, you know, attacked us with pace, but that's pretty much all they had. You know, they didn't really have the guile to get to us. There was one thing that they seemingly targeted, which was Valencia getting stuck a bit further at the pitch. And essentially there being no one in our right back area to sort of help out and help to cover. And that's where the cross came in. You know, there was a suggestion that Fellaini should have done a, done a bit better to get on to Dendonka. You know, and Darmian, you know, clearly sort of stuck in no man's land. But to be fair, as a left back, I'm not necessarily sure that he should have been on him anyway. Either way, it was a bit of a cheap goal to concede, considering that we are... we either should have just held on to the lead and closed up shop a little bit better, or at least added to it. You know, Mkhitaryan uh, could have added to uh, the, the tie with his chance from uh, Darmian's cross in the second half. To be fair, he did really well with the goal. You know, that was a really nice move. Valencia to Rashford, really great hit. And then from a very, very tight angle, Mkhitaryan got a lovely little shot in. Yeah, and then Lingard before that had hit the post from a rebound, so... Yeah, I mean, I think from what you said there, I would err uh, towards that side. You think about the fact that this was a away goal, you know, and the fact that we were uh, taking the bats to Old Trafford. And given that United could perhaps have turned that tie with a slightly more positive attacking display, as we saw today, you know, with a bit more pace and perhaps a bit more verve, I think Anderlecht were to a certain extent there for the taking. The fact that we didn't manage that was frustrating. And that brings us all the way over to this afternoon at Old Trafford, Rich. That starting eleven, it felt for all intents and purposes like that was Mourinho stapling, I'm prioritising the Europa League onto a post-it, onto his head. Yeah, it, it's difficult to know how much of that was. I mean, the ta- I'm sure the tactical plan was by design, but how much of the lineup was was by design or, or just by virtue of the fact that he fe- felt that top four had... Uh, you know, slipped away a little bit, and he was just resting. I mean, he did talk at, saying at the start that Ibrahimovic was really tired, and that's why he wasn't playing. But then afterwards, he kind of mm. tried to imply that it was all a grand plan anyway. Um, and it may have been. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and, the, the uh, whole Ibrahimovic thing really, really wound me up because you and I were speaking after the Sunderland game. What was it? Gosh, it was a week ago, Richard. A week ago, week, we were yeah. talking about that Sunderland game, and we were saying. We can't talk about the excuse of making Ibrahimovic, you know, sort of Ibrahimovic being tired because you could have just taken him off at 2 0, mm. 40, 50, 60 minutes against Sunderland, bottom of the Premier League, and we had a man advantage. You don't get to use the excuse or say Zlatan's tired if you're going to put him through situations like that when you could just take him off and give him a rest. Okay, maybe it was part of the grand plan. That really wound me up beforehand, and whether that was intentional or not, I don't know, but it. But the other, the other the other thing was that he was absolute garbage in Belgium. This is true, and you know we have this. You know, there's enormous discussion going on about the value that Ibrahimovic has to this this team. I mean, obviously he scored the bulk of our goals, and you know some people are saying, well, without him, where on earth would we be? But on the flip side, you know, there is a school of thought that says that he doesn't hold the ball up very well for an enormous bloke, and if he slows everything down, um, almost in a way we used to. Um, we used to complain a bit, a bit, a bit about Berbatov 
doing the same thing. You know, our attacking has been incredibly laboured. And it, like as you say, he could have taken him off against Sunderland. And frankly, he should have taken him off against Anderlecht because he was crap. But there's always, but there's always, there's always in the, must be always in the back of Mourinho's mind, this thing that Ibrahimovic can score goals that no one else in the team can score, as he did against Sunderland. So he can be absolute garbage for 89 minutes and 50 seconds and then pearl one in the top corner from 25 yards mm. and maybe win a game. But the, but I suppose that the, how do you know how that game would have gone if you'd had a more dynamic forward line? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think today showed that, I mean, this isn't conclusive proof that this is what the season would have been like without Ibrahimovic. Not by a long shot, because, you know, going into a season with Rashford... Uh, Lingard, Mkhitaryan and Martial sort of swapping up front on the wings would have been very interesting, but that's not necessarily a Formula 4 success. What today showed is that we can play effective, attacking and enjoyable football without Zlatan. He's not the be-all, end-all for United for this season or next. No, and it's not just it's not just the goal scoring. You know, it, Today we saw, and particularly with Lingard pressed up almost alongside Rashford as well, we saw pretty incessant pressing of the the Chelsea back four. Now, obviously, Ibrahimovic can't press. He doesn't press. Um, he's you know he said himself that he spends large portions of games kind of saving his energy for for when the ball comes to him. So, uh, to a degree, the game today was based on pressing. It was based on you know closing down the the Chelsea centre backs as soon as they got on the ball. You know, we were right into Luis from the very start of the game. And then the, the midfield following that up and really pressing, even if the ball gets through to the to the, the opposition midfielders, and that's something we can't do with Ibrahimovic at front because he will just trot around and the centre backs can pass it nicely between themselves until they're ready to to pass it into midfield or out wide. Mm. I think essentially, had Ibrahimovic started today, I don't think we could have won that match. Now, that's not to say that he's not appropriate for other matches because you know you you need varying tactical plans. But I don't think we would have won today if he'd have started. I think, and I don't think that should be or would be a particularly controversial view, given the way that the game panned out. Because they clearly, you know, Chelsea were clearly completely knocked out of their stride by the pace of our forward line and the the ferocity and the intensity of our pressing. Absolutely. I mean, Lingard and Rashford were in it from the off, from front to back. Today, there was just a complete change. Seemingly in the tone that we played, if that makes sense. You know, we were far more ferocious. We were quicker, more energetic. The pressing was very, very impressive. You know, Pogba was playing with more fire than I think we've seen from him in several months. You know, he didn't necessarily have a perfect game, but he definitely seemed... I think more switched on is a bit harsh because it's not like he has been stinking up the place for the entirety of this calendar year. But he personified just as you know Rashford and Lingard and Herrera did the mentality today which was United seemingly responding to the fact that they were expected to either draw or lose this game against a team that was regarded as being far more capable and talented and thought now sod that that goal in particular all right we did get a little bit lucky that Herrera wasn't called up for handball because his arm was not by his body at that point but you know, I mean, Chelsea might have cause for some sort of complaints from that, but that's the only complaint they can possibly have because from then on, that that goal was just absolutely perfect. Anders' ball was stunning to Rashford. 
one of my favourite passes of the season. Really, really similar to the goal that Mkhitaryan scored against Spurs just before uh, Christmas as well. Yeah, it was. And I, and also, with the, the finish, all the touches from, from Rashford, he, you know, he took two touches to really get the ball under control and knock it in front of him. And I think a month ago, he'd have missed that. He'd have probably side-footed it into the goalkeeper's legs or something. But I think that that, that goal at Sunderland really um, really helped him and he was far brighter in, uh, in, in Belgium as well. And it was just a really, really clinical finish. He let the keeper come out, and he just cut it back across him and and into the goal. It was, it was, it was such a lovely goal. We love it. We always love it when Rashford scores. It's really good to see him back to something approaching his best form because he's really struggled all season. It, it will give Mourinho food for thought in terms of his forward line in future because you know we've known from the start Rashford is far better as a striker than he is as a, a as a wide left player. Mm-hmm. And you know we all love Herrera, and Herrera's contribution to the game and that goal was absolutely wonderful. So I guess it was, it was kind of a, a dream goal for us all because it was our favourite cuddly players scoring a really nice goal against a really hated foe who we haven't beaten for ages. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I mean, so many stats to take away from that game as well. That was the first time that we beaten Chelsea in any competition since the 2012-2013 season. First time we've beaten Chelsea at Old Trafford since the previous season. First time that Chelsea have failed to register a shot on target in the Premier League game since 2007. And that was at Old Trafford. If I remember correctly, that was uh, 2-0 to us. Tevez's first goal for United and a Saha penalty. But keeping this Chelsea team that quiet for such a, a large period of time for the whole game. And the thing is, they didn't really get a proper sniff, you know, Dave, obviously, because there wasn't there weren't any shots on target, wasn't necessarily called into action to try and save the day or anything. Rocco and Bailly were, <laughs> I almost said godly, that might be pushing it a little bit, but they were so good. I mean, Rocco in particular, who was uh, renewing his budding romance with Diego Costa, those two seemingly love to just get at each other and snap at each other. And it was a marvellous moment where they both sort of half hit each other and pretended to go down like they'd been poked very thoroughly in the eye with a hot poker. But other than that, I thought Rocco had another really solid game. I thought Bailly was, again, very commanding. Uh, Mourinho mentioned as well one of the big things that he felt going into the game tactically was making sure that two of uh, Hazard and Pedro, or Hazard and William, were kept quiet. And that was something that uh, Young and Darmian on the left, and then I think it was mo- yeah, it was mostly Herrera and Valencia on the right. Managed we kept them quiet pretty much the entire game. Very very rarely did they actually you know cause us any real problems. And no passes whatsoever completed in the penalty area all game for Chelsea either. It's remarkable. I, I think by Rocco firmly established themselves as our as our best centre-back partnership at the moment. And in fairness, that can't be hard, given the abysmalness of Smalling and uh, Jones before their injuries. But Bailly's been a class act from the start. I mean, he's just an absolutely wonderful athlete and a wonderful defender. But Rocco's really surprised a lot of people. I can happily you know, admit that this time, at the end of last season, I was I was wishing him, wishing the sight of him in a in United shirt away. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And as, but as a, you know, he's playing left back, and as a left back, he is an absolute disaster. But he's really, really impressed as a centre back. I mean, he's 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 tough. We've always known he's tough, and he's quite streetwise. And as you say today, he he, he fully embraced the Schneid. But it you know he I think he has surprised just how well he's done alongside Bai, and it might give Mourinho food for thought in the summer as to 
just how much he needs a centre-back. I mean, I suggest he probably does, but he's got to have some wonderful options if he buys another you know, high-class centre-back and have Rocco there as well. And I, I think not just from Rocco, but from the team in general, it was a game when we really embraced the dark arts in the way that, that Ferguson's teams used to when, when we were playing, particularly when we were playing home against Arsenal. But but just in generally in big games, you know, we'd 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 kick we'd kick players around. We'd we'd really let them know we were there, and and that would often put particularly say again particularly Wenger's Arsenal out of their stride. But today, Conte's Chelsea, they just they couldn't they couldn't cope with the physicality with the intensity, and I don't think one of their their key players really got a sniff of goal apart from Pedro's sort of curled shot that went over the bar, but. But other than that, they, got, they didn't get they didn't get sniffed, did they? No, I mean that was from as per the Quasar's cross, and that was second half, sort of around the fifty minute hour mark. I think it was. That's the only thing that flashes up in my head as a chance or a delivery where Chelsea had me a little bit worried. Obviously, because because this is this Chelsea team has been you know blasting through pretty much everyone this season. There was the fear in the back of my mind going into you know even still to the last couple of minutes, just thinking, okay, so it's two 0 but we've been in this situation several times. Not necessarily at 2-0 up, but United ahead at home. You know, you get the yips. It's fair enough. But no, we we controlled that game magnificently. And this was just the incredibly satisfying nature of the performance, really, wasn't it? Is the fact that we didn't let up. We kept at task for 94 minutes, didn't give them a sniff, maintained shape. All right, we brought uh, Carrick in to try and... uh, pack out the midfield after Fabregas was brought on the second half, which gave us a little bit more uh, solidity and stability in midfield and sort of helped to pack things out a little bit more. And that was us essentially shutting up shop to a certain extent. But the the intensity of the performance didn't drop. And that was the most positive thing because we've had good halves of football this season or we've had decent performances, but nothing on this level, not for me anyway, in the sense that we've come up against a team playing very well with something to fight for, you know, cast as the underdog, and we just stuck to task so well, delivered such an impressive performance. Oh, gosh. But, uh, I mean, to be fair, the real highlight for me, really enjoyed watching Rashford's goal, but <laughs> celebrating Herrera's goal, Rich, that that is definitely going to be one of my highlights of this season. I went absolutely nuts when that deflected in, I'm not going to lie. Is that not his first league goal for us since the equally deflected goal he scored against Arsenal in a 3-2 win at home. Yeah, yeah. it's only a second of the season. He got one in the uh, third round of the EFL Cup against Northampton Town. Yeah, so he scored He scored. Yeah, two league goals um, in 12 months against two top teams, and both of them were thoroughly spawny, but 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 wonderfully celebrated. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of those players that really should score more. Uh, I think he's had more of a destroying role this season than Perhaps he did under Van Gaal. I mean, when he first came in, he scored quite a few goals and he was playing in a more advanced position. But I think Mourinho's... And I know we've spoken about this before. I don't think a lot of players have improved a great deal under Mourinho, but he's one of the one of those that has really kicked on and he's really found a niche for himself as that all-action central midfielder. And I think sometimes he's too disciplined for... You know, if he's not so good, but he doesn't get into as many scoring positions. He doesn't get the opportunity to create and... And he's actually a pretty good footballer in in an attacking sense. Um, so it is just really nice to see him get a goal because I think he's become this season one of the leaders of that team. 
we we talked we talked in the last couple of seasons about there not really being any leaders in the in the team, and we, it's still been an issue at times this season. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I mean, I don't okay. think you can possibly say that after Ashley Young captained the side to victory today, and, F- and Fellaini on uh, on Thursday. Oh, so, was it Thursday or last Saturday? Sunday? Last last Sunday. Sun, man. Sun, last Sunday. Hundred percent win rate win ratio as captains, both exactly. Fellaini and Ashley Young. Um, so so now we really do know that it, that you just get the captain's armband if you've been at the club long. If you're the longest serving player on the pitch um, <laughs> yeah at, at the latchkey kid asked us um, if, uh, who should be the next captain for next week well you, we'll find out we'll find out when he picks a team and whoever's been in longest wins pretty much I, I, don't, I don't think captains really matter do, it, do they too much it, I think the days of Tony Adams roaring at his centre backs has kind of gone the best teams need leaders all over the pitch um, and I don't think anybody is going to respond too well to a particular guy telling him to gee it up and clapping his hands at them and you know Keane was a, a bit of a unique figure in that respect in that he was just so driven he was so tense that he made a great captain of, of the United team but I just don't see it there's not a player like him around these days and I just don't see it as, any, as important as it was and mm. I think as long as you've got players with character in the around in the team then you know and that just that doesn't mean ego it doesn't mean being an asshole it just means guys who are just full of full of grit and endeavor like like Herrera is and you know he looks like butter wouldn't melt but he really really drives himself on and everyone else on on the pitch I think yeah I, I think a lot of people would be really happy if he would if he were named team captain next season if you know when Rooney goes and one or two other the more experienced players yeah I'd be fully on board for that I think one of the things that I think a lot of United fans like about Herrera is that he's got that very <laughs> basically he's hated by a lot of opposition fans and I think a lot of United fans are galvanized by that and they're extra protective of him I mean obviously the Schneid aspect comes into it because he's got Schneid coming out of his goddamn paws bless him and yeah the endeavor does make him all that more endearing you know obviously it helps that he's got clearly got a great affection for the club and as you've mentioned the fact that he's carved out this little role for himself under Mourinho means that to me anyway he is one of the players that I'm not worried about you know for his future at United you know even under Mourinho and you can't necessarily ever say you know what you're going to get with him because we know that was performance today but I'm pretty confident that he's got a, a pretty steady future at United on the basis of this season now you couldn't necessarily say that about 12 months ago because he was in and out of the side under Van Hall, especially in that last six months. And it is great to see him enjoying his football as much. And the way that goal was celebrated just proves that there are few players in this current squad and will put in as much effort as Herrera will do. I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily the fact that it was a great goal. It was partly the timing. You know, Rashford's goal had been a very pleasant surprise. As mentioned, that was the first time we'd scored inside the first 20 minutes all Premier League season long. Which is at home. nuts. At home, I think. At I think home. it's at home. I think we, we, we scored early against West Brom, didn't we? But it's definitely definitely the earliest goal we scored at home. Oh, this season. is true. This is. I mean, that's still that's still really bad. <laughs> it that's is really bad. Um, but this that stretches back for three seasons, doesn't it? You know, we never we hardly ever scored at home at all under Van Hal, particularly in the first half. So yeah, that is that is mm. piss poor. And uh, I think as I said, this is true. I think as I said on Twitter earlier on, the early goal in the first half and early goal in the second half blew my mind. Mm, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's partly down to Young's, you know, persistence and endeavour there. You know, that was a, a rather poor free kick delivery, I think it was. Pogba chased it down. Young got a little bit lucky. I think it was uh, 
Kante, the ball sort of came loose off, and Kante really, really struggled today under the pressing that was happening in midfield. Bless him. I say bless him. What do I care? And yeah, ball squared out to Herrera. He reacted quickly enough. And then it, I think it came off Victor Moses, didn't it? And mm. Begovic completely stranded. Gosh, I just erupted when that went in. That was better than I dared hope for. It was absolutely a beautiful moment and something that... I mean, to be fair, even though it's in context just simply a game of the, what, eight that we've still got left to play this season, it has not, you know, it's not going to you know, have a massive bearing on the top four to a certain extent a lot of football left for us to play. So it wasn't a decisive blow in any stretch of the imagination. But it was simply that it was just such a surprise to see United do this because we haven't seen enough of it this season for it to feel like these moments are going to come. I do think, you know, we've got a right to kind of say, where on earth did that come from? Not, yeah, not, absolutely. Not, not, the tactical, not in a tactical sense, but well, I guess in a tactical sense as well, but, but, but more in terms of the intensity of the football We've had spells. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the tactical sense, because we did see something similar employed for the first sort of 30, 40 minutes against Chelsea. And obviously it all fell apart when Ander got sent off. But in terms of, you know, the surprise, we've had a couple of moments this season where something similar has happened, haven't we? In the sense that we've seen the lineup and thought, this looks weird, what's going on? And then we've turned out a performance. So there's what? Swansea away. And then uh, Middlesbrough away, which ended up being a quite good afternoon. But even those weren't on this level in terms of the effort and the application. I think the concern was that we've had games where we've hit spells of that intensity for maybe even a half or, or perhaps longer, but it's always dropped off. And I think I would have been very worried if we hadn't got that second goal when we did, that we would start to regress. We were even the 2-0 with sort of 20, 25 minutes to go, we started to sink deep. And I think we've had to, we faced a very big psychological burden or barrier this season in terms of getting over the line in games. And we've seen us, we've seen ourselves blow promising positions on a number of occasions. And I think that weight that has weighed on the players' minds and also where they've drawn so many games at home. And, you know, I admit I was just sitting there waiting for the storm to pass and, and, and for, as to kind of regress and retreat and Chelsea to come into the game. And it just didn't happen. We played with that intensity for most of the 90 minutes. Going forward, we'd have to hope that we can recreate that again and again. So the only red flag in my mind is that I, I grew up in the watching United in the, in the 80s and we would pull these performances out against Liverpool or in relatively big games, in, you know, particularly in cup games, where we just, you know, the, the intensity was there. They, they just drive everything we, we we blow away these teams with a lot more talent a lot more ability than us and then we regress and lose the next week at Norwich or wherever and just potter along and so what we've got to do from this performance today is really retain that level of that level of performance that level of intensity and drive because that is the only way we're going to come out this season with an acceptable outcome, which is being in the Champions. I don't think it's realistic. It's going to come from the league. I just don't. It, maybe I'll be surprised. I just don't. So we've got, we've essentially got four cup finals now in the Europa League before the end of the season, and we we need to be winning that competition. And I think if we do win that competition, if we can put in some more performances like we saw today, then I think we can really say we've ended the season on a massive high, and we can really go into next year with some momentum so it's just, it's just really where we go from here you know that was a wonderful performance we've got to remember it's we beat Spurs at home and that was a decent performance this is the first game where, it, where it's ended and I thought you know what that was a really really top class performance we really blew away a very very good team there so 
you know, that's the, that's the level we've got to aspire to every week, isn't it? That's the level that Chelsea have been putting in most weeks in the league in, in every single game. And I appreciate they've not had any European football to kind of dull their dull their senses, but but even so, you know, we did that after we played on a Thursday. So uh, I, I think most of the players didn't get back till the early morning on on the Friday, and Pogba was there till about five, I think, five in the morning. I had to, had to do a drugs test. We came back late. They needed to catch up on sleep. They probably had a day or a day and a half to rest and to plan for that for that game, and they put in a performance like that. So it's there. It's there. They have got the energy in them to do it. We've just got to keep doing it from now on and not let this be uh, an isolated kind of moment in the sun in, in another se- in a sea of drudgery until the end of the season, ultimate kind of dropping off failure. And I think the interesting thing will be on Thursday, because Ibrahimovic is very likely to start considering that he only got sort of 10 minutes pretty much at the end of the game today. It'll be interesting to see how big the change is because I'm pretty sure it, there will be a change in intensity and uh, in terms of application on Thursday night in the second leg. Not necessarily saying that as a massive criticism. I think it's difficult to sustain that for long periods of time, especially in the fact that we're now in mid-April and you know they're going to be cautious of overdoing it, considering that, as you mentioned, there is still some way to go before the season's done. So it will be interesting to see how we apply ourselves on Thursday. And I'm... I don't think Zlatan starting should be a cause for complete shutdown and re- a sort of revert to type from the first leg. There's definitely a way which we can play effective football that does have that intensity, but also features Zlatan. But it will be interesting to see how different things are during that game for sure. Anyway, uh, just a quick chat on uh, the, the the Premier League, which is in terms of the actual title, Rich, because that's not something we've actually had the luxury of talking about much over the last four seasons. Nope. Good grief. We've uh, we've chucked a, a massive cat amongst the pigeons there, and uh, Chelsea's lead is now just four points uh, ahead of a very, very good Spurs-looking side, who personally, I wouldn't mind seeing the league win the league whatsoever. I'd be all right with that. What do you reckon? Spurs are really breath of fresh air, aren't they? I know <laughs> it winds a lot of people up. I was at a soft, 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 soft spot for Spurs. Right, I'll try again. Good words, words. <laughs> yes, I've always had a soft spot for Spurs. For Spurs, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll try. Again. Tell you what, I'll lead you in, Rich. You've always had a soft Thanks. spot for Spurs, haven't you? I have always had a soft spot for Spurs. There you go. Got it this time. There we go. They're just playing such carefree football, aren't they? That they're looking really unspursy, aren't they? Mm. In the stereotypical sense, particularly annoying in that they're absolutely blowing teams away at home while we haven't until today. So, you know, Pochettino's really done an incredible job there. He's built a really young side. They haven't spent a huge amount of money compared to the other top sides. They've got a wage bill which is considerably smaller, and they're really punching above their weight but the the real test for him and for them will be when they whether they can actually win something because you know Spurs it's been a very very long time since Spurs won the title and that's that's a psychological barrier for them they've become a cup team and they need to push past that looking at the fixtures and going to, into the end of the season Chelsea have got four at home Spurs have got four away two at home and uh, two away for Chelsea and I can't see Chelsea not winning those home games and I think mm. the hardest the hardest game Chelsea got left is Everton away, which is a difficult game. But I, but 
by the same token, I can't see Spurs winning all, all of their remaining games, even as well as they're playing. And you can imagine that you know United going to Spurs. It's the last the last game at White Hart Lane as well. Mourinho will be absolutely gagging to just close that game down and spoil the party. He will want to jose it up in the classic fashion. He would, wouldn't he? It wouldn't be as as, as amazing as his as his Chelsea side's two nil win at Anfield that essentially scuppered Paul's title challenge. That was really, really funny. <laughs> that was remarkable. It, it was remarkable, but but it, it would it would be quite funny if we just kind of finished them off ourselves. But I think over the season, Chelsea had been the strongest team from the start, and I'd really be surprised if they didn't win it from here. And we've been quite lucky that obviously Spurs would be the least offensive Premier League winner, but of the of the remaining options, Chelsea are the are the least emotionally damaging. I'd say of the rest. I mean, Arsenal winning the title would just be just be the end of the internet. Oh, I don't think I can handle it. Obviously, obviously, City and Liverpool winning the title. You know, I've always found Liverpool winning it, or the possibility of Liverpool winning it, far worse than than City. But but in the scheme of things, Chelsea are a relatively acceptable winner if Spurs don't. Yeah, I guess to a certain extent. I mean, we'll uh, we'll simply see how that pans out. I mean, it looks like Liverpool aren't going to be doing it, which is obviously great. You know, I, I would really prefer that situation not to remedy itself for a long, long time to come, preferably when I'm not around. That'd be superb. Anyway, let's uh, let's roll on to Twitter questions and uh, a couple of bits and bobs to discuss as well. So let's start off with uh, at TinyBlazX13, or Zombie Play, that'd probably be easier. And he just says, so top four. Well, fair enough, yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of top four chances, I would say let's have a really good chat about that after the derby a week on Thursday, because I think after that, we will have a very good idea of whether or not we can genuinely sustain the challenge and get in there and then potentially stay there. You know, we've got Burnley on Sunday at Turf Moor uh, after the second leg against Anderlecht, and then we play uh, Spurs, and then we play City uh, four days afterwards at the Etihad, you know, on that Thursday night kickoff, and that is going to be a really tough night. Again, it's one of those situations where part of me is excited at the fact that we've got a derby on the horizon, but also utterly terrified at the prospect of it because, I mean, God knows how that's going to pan out. You know, City have seemingly got enough of, you know, they're together enough that you could see them getting top four without too much of a stretch. But it's now becoming very difficult to see how United can kind of get their way through. The one good thing about today uh, in terms of actually winning that game is that, you know, if you win those games in hand, it is technically in our hands to do it now. If we are able to win as many of these games as possible, then we will get top four. But again, that's a big, big if at this stage. If United got through the run of fixtures we've got, which is it's Burnley away, City away, Swansea at home, I'd say you'd like to think we'd win, but going on form, we'd probably draw it. But then Arsenal away, Spurs mm-hmm. away, Southampton away, and then Palace at home. If we, I think if we came through that, that run at the end of the season may top four from here it would be absolutely astonishing. I really, I agree completely. I would pray at the altar of Mourinho if that happened. Good grief, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, today has given us a little bit more impetus and perhaps, com- well, maybe not confidence, but a bit more belief that maybe we can do something about top four without having to worry too much about the Europa League. But again, all it's going to take is just one bad result, potentially on Sunday or even on the following Thursday, to sort of undo that. So let <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to get, considering how the season's gone, I don't think anyone's going to go off on one on that just yet. Anyway, uh, Owen Lee asks, does Rojo deserve to start next season? We've conceded a lot less than people think. 
This is true. So United are in the top five for teams in Europe in terms of least amount of goals conceded, which, you know, I mean, we were in, I think we were in the top 10 under Van Gaal. So the fact that we've uh, actually increased our numbers in that sense, in terms of the fact that we conceded even less goals in the Mourinho playing arguably a more open brand of football and definitely a lot more interesting brand. That's nice. I'm enjoying that. Uh, in terms of Rojo, I'd, I'd keep him. You, you said it earlier on, Rich. It's remarkable how much better Rojo is as a centre-back as opposed to a left-back. You know, Obviously, him playing left-back last season was down to Van Gaal, but he was so bad, so bad in that position last year. And he has been so, 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 so much better at centre-back. I would absolutely keep hold of him. I think of the uh, central defenders that we have, so that's what him... Jones and Smalling, he's got the least to worry about. Yeah, as you say, you know, for at the start of the season, if we talked about which centre back was should be the the next out the door, he'd have been first, or which defender should be next out the door, he'd have been the first on the list. But certainly, I think Jones and Smalling should be should be the ones who are really sweating on their on their futures at United. If we're to believe Duncan Castles, and that we have no reason not to believe Duncan Castles, for he is the mouthpiece of the Lord, <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then. We are planning to sign, at the very least, centre-back and probably left-back, but a centre-back anyway. And I mm. can't see any scenario which, in which uh, Mourinho would look at his options at centre-back this season and think, yeah, I'm going to sell Rocco. No, I completely agree. I don't really see why you would. You know, He no. has, you know, alongside Bailly, he's been one of our best defenders. You know, he has been really good. You know, There's no getting away from that. It's been really impressive. Uh, Mark Hopner asks, well, he didn't really ask, he just says, guys, Ander, and I'm all right with that. That's fine. Yep, and uh... succinct. I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, at Filmatic uh, mentions, what time on the clock did you stop getting the nagging worry? It might still finish two-two. It's about the ninety-second <laughs> minute for him. <laughs> I laughed at that because it was exactly the same for me. Yeah, I was just thinking, oh, I can breathe now. There's two minutes. They're not scoring twice in two minutes. It was exactly. Yeah, the you know same. the worst thing was that first half went really, really quickly. It was quite a lot of fun, and that second half just dragged like hell. I think I think the thing is that we so many of our games are so close. We haven't scored enough goals in the last two or three years to ever put games to bed, and we've got into a habit as well of conceding late goals and, and throwing away leads. And so we, we're kind of used to it. I, I remember joke, sort of half joking, saying in the, the the home game, the Leicester home game, the season when we four nil up at half time, that I wasn't wasn't entirely comfortable that we'd still win the game. And it was it was it was half <laughs> it was it was half tongue in cheek and half you know I don't, I'm not actually. I'm not actually willing to commit to this yet. So yeah, I mean, I I, I was the 92nd minute as well. I, I I was sure they'd because Chelsea have been so um, they've been so efficient this season, haven't they? They don't they don't create huge numbers of chances in games, but when they do, they mm. usually take them. So I was just expecting a goal back at some point, and then, and then you, we'd get really really twitchy. The crowd would get twitchy, and the players would certainly be twitching. But it just didn't yeah. happen. They as you say they they didn't create a chance of any great worth in the entire game. So. We're just waiting for that first goal, and you were thinking, well, you, once the first one went in, you're expecting the second one. But the, wonderfully, the first just never came. Uh, at Red Stevens 76 has sent the best question that I think we have ever been sent during our time doing this podcast, Rich. Are you ready for this? Go on then. Were United right not to afford David Moyes his required time? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> superlative work, my friend. Absolutely beautiful. It pleases me that Sunderland fans are now seeing the 
and are now seeing the light with with Moyes, and that they're essentially all laying into him for exactly the same things that we were. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue that they actually saw the light a long time ago. To be fair, I, I think basically yeah. now they're just being more vocal because the drop now looks inevitable. So they're thinking, well, you know what, we're going down, so we might as well have some fun with it and criticise them on the way. Yeah. Anyway, at Roy Keane asks, uh, Zlatan, has the penny finally dropped with Mourinho in games like City away? In particular, surely Rashford leads the line. And that's an interesting one. My heart says he should. My head says he won't, purely because I think, for the most part, unless Mourinho has a real reason not to play Zlatan and he used the tiredness excuse today, I don't think he wouldn't start him. I think in that situation, he probably will start with Zlatan leading the line against City at the Etihad. I just think that that's, that's sounds more like what he'd do. You know, do you know where I'm coming from with that? I do know where you're coming from. The only, the only thought I had on that was that now he's kind of drawn a line in the sand to say that Zlatan can't play every game because of his age. I mean, it only took eight months of the season to get to that point. Well, I know, I know, but, <laughs> but we have, you know, we've got two games a week for the rest of the season. And I do wonder if he can't, if, if in his mind he thinks, well, top four probably gone, but we played really well with Rashford and, you know, a really sort of young, energetic forward line today. Play Slatan in the Europa League, have him fresh for the Europa League games where we really need the big game temperament and just have a thrash with the, with the you know, with the, with the younger guys or with the, a different looking attack in the, in the remaining league games. Because, you know, how could he watch today and not think, well, even have it in the back of his mind, you know, perhaps I'm missing a trick here. And he has, he's has he got the opportunity really to do it because I think we'd all be absolutely astonished if he got top four through the league now. Nobody's expecting it. So if he doesn't, mm. he doesn't. And the important thing is winning that Europa League. But I think he's got a really good opportunity now to just see what Rashford can do as a starter up front because we haven't seen that all season. He's been marooned out on the left. And I actually think he, Anderlecht as well, he was terrific in a much freer role it seemed like Rashford had license to kind of run. The, he was playing further up the pitch and a lot of license to run across the whole of the, the, the front line. So he was appearing all over the pitch. And he always mm. seems more dangerous on the right-hand side than the left. It's always confused me why Mourinho has favoured him there. But he's got the perfect opportunity now. He's got games twice a week. Surely Zlatan can't play every game. Give Rashford a run in the league and let Zlatan play the big games in Europe. Yep, that works for me. OK, Bakash Patil asks, pick one. Herrera on Hazard. Park on Perlo or Jones on Ronaldo? Now, personally, I don't think any man-marking job gets anywhere close to Jason Park's amazing work on Andrea Perlo in 2010 in that Champions League. Uh, gosh, was it the last 16 or the quarterfinal? Either way, yeah, Park against Perlo for me any day of the week. Yeah, it's the disparity in talent, isn't it? I think the disparity in talent is the greatest. <laughs> is the greatest between those two the, of, of any of the three options. So it was an absolute masterpiece. Absolutely, story. it's how pissed off he was about it in his autobiography <laughs> it was, yeah. as well. <laughs> okay, at KRN underscore BRK asks: Did Mourinho start Rashford to start Rashford, or did he start Rashford to rest Ibrahimovic? Ah, what came first, the chicken or the egg? That's abstract. That yeah, no, this this is what we we're saying, wasn't it? Mourinho said before mm. that Zlatan wasn't playing because he was tired. And then he said afterwards, well, maybe maybe it was all planned in the first place. So who knows? I'd like to think in my heart that it was all a tactical plan and he wanted to give Rashford his head and he thought that was the best way to beat Chelsea. Mm. And he saw the light. I'm not convinced. But either way, it doesn't really matter, does it? We've got the, the fruits of it, whether it was by accident or design. True. At J underscore D underscore MUFC asks, 2-0. 
A one-off one or a glimpse to the future? Oh, this is what I said earlier. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I'd, lo- I'd love to think that it's kind of the start of something and the players should take a huge amount of confidence from that performance. Mm. They've got quite a few monkeys off the back there. They've, they've, they've been a really, really top side relatively comfortably. They've won a home game. <clears throat> you know, A couple of guys who've scored who haven't scored a lot this season. In theory, I, you know, we keep talking, we've talked a lot about the mentality of the side this season like, and I'm, you know, I'm still on the fence as to whether we've we're really that strong-willed enough to really push on from here just with the players we've got. And so it will be really interesting to see as the, the rest of the season goes on. We've got massive games every week, twice a week, mm. um, just how they hold up. But I'd love to think that they, that the players can carry this on and that, that Mourinho can see the benefit of micromanaging everything, you know, the forward line as well as the defence, because he's clearly had the defence drilled to drilled to near perfection for most of the season. But the forward line is has been a bit chaotic and perhaps they just need a bit more guidance as to, as to how he wants them to play. Stephen Roberts, continuing on from that, asks, uh, that performance showed unity, organisation, strength and composure in space. Yeah, it did, Stephen. It was awesome. Why have they been so few and far between this season? That's a tricky one to answer. I mean, I don't think you could find a United fan who was looking at that team sheet expecting a 2-0 victory over Chelsea today based on what we know of United and Mourinho so far, or this season anyway, in, at the very least. It's difficult to say what was so different about today that caused us to have such a great performance and such a great result. You know, uh, Conte said after the game that basically he didn't plan for the fact that United wouldn't start Ibrahimovic and his defence and his team got really unsettled by Lingard and Rashford. They didn't have any answer to that. That's, uh, ex- I mean, that excused it to a certain extent. But it's got to be more than that, you know. Something clicked with United today, and I don't think it was just uh, Pogba having a bit more space. I don't think it was, you know, the likes of Fellaini and Herrera playing particularly well. I don't think it was the back four clearly knowing what they were up to, and Lingard and Rashford just having so much joy just running and unsettling that Chelsea back three. They did a fantastic job the amount of time they were on the pitch. It was really good to see. I, in terms of why that's happened so infrequently, it's really difficult to answer, really, isn't it? Because don't you think that it's partially because he clearly he clearly sets out a different and very structured formation and tactical setup against the bigger teams. He has a way of playing mm. against the better teams in the league, and it's it's, it's micromanaged and it's all it's different from what we do in the bulk of the rest of the games. And in those games, it's rather felt like we've just been throwing the same team at the wall and saying, you know, go out there and beat this lot, you're better than them. Whereas when we've played against teams who are perhaps stronger than us at the moment in terms of personnel or form or whatever, he's really thought about it very carefully and the players have looked generally very highly motivated. Whereas there just seems to be an air a bit more complacency and it's all a bit more off the cuff when we play against smaller teams I don't know perhaps that's just a perception that I've got but you know he's he he's the master of outwitting the bigger teams isn't he that's that's his that's mm. his thing that's 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 what he does he his thing with Inter was making them incredibly difficult he, he won the, the Champions League by making them absolutely arse to play against and to beat and he just he just mm. they just kind of ground their way through the rounds didn't they to the to the final and then beat Bayern in the final. I just think it's his thing. At Dundo Chaka B asks, is this the win that makes people look again at what went wrong at Chelsea when Mourinho was there? Does this say he's still top class? 
I think as far as the second part of that question goes, there is a, certainly a strong argument that perhaps a few of us have been reminded that Mourinho is actually a pretty damn good manager <laughs> when he wants to be. It, it kind of ties in with what you were just saying there in the sense that when it comes to getting a plan against the big teams, this has been one of those instances where Mourinho got everything tactically spot on to absolute perfection today. And that made it, you know, arguably one of the most impressive performances, if not the most impressive performance for me, at least, since Ferguson retired. Uh, in terms of what went wrong at Chelsea, that's a really difficult one to sort of quantify, isn't it, really? I think that was more down to, well, it seemed from the outside that there were particular circumstances there. And I think the Ava Carnero affair was particularly unsavoury. And, and I think that maybe caused a bit of a schism between Mourinho and the players that it was difficult to to overcome and once they kind of turned on each other then all was lost but you know Mourinho does Mourinho can kind of self-destruct at times you know it's just part of his part of his genius I guess and I think that's just what happened there as to whether he's we're back to uh, as to whether he's he's demonstrated his enduring genius well his, his enduring genius is winning things winning leagues and winning cups so a, 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 an excellent win against Chelsea reminds us of what he's good at but if he wants to demonstrate that he's what he was before then he needs to be winning the Europa League and then having us in a title challenge next year This is true. Uh, Dr Jay Besant asks, does this cloud the Ibra situation? Yes um, uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe not cloud it, maybe add a slight murkiness to it um, I would say that if we see these sort of performances without Zlatan on the side over the next couple of weeks, then it certainly spices up the issue of uh, Zlatan not signing on for another year, or you know the the whole argument and discussion around it. You know, I know it's uh, it's an argument that's not necessarily seen a lot of nuanced thinking from people in the sense that people l- look at the goal tally, but then don't necessarily sort of look at the way he plays and the way that we can potentially play without him. I know there's not been a ton of examples of us playing teams off the park to the extent that we actually, you know, beat a team that were, you know, regarded as much better than we are today without him playing really for the most part for that, you know, 80, 85 minutes. It will be interesting to see how things progress because as you mentioned there, Zlatan can't play every game between now and the end of the season. So it's a perfect opportunity to try Rashford out a little bit more. He's clearly still got, well, just about the legs for it this season. So, again, that's one of those situations where the top four question, I think we kind of have to come back at that in a couple of weeks with a bit more information. Uh, Tom Reeks asks, has Rashford today made a statement that he should start games more up front? Well, that pretty much ties in with what we were just saying there. <laughs> um, I think he will start more games for the rest of the season. So let's see how that pans out. Sound about right? Yeah, I was going to say one interesting point in that is he does... We might be completely off base, but it does, there does seem to be a freezing over of the idea that Ibrahimovic was automatically going to stay. You know, Marino's continuously talked him up and Ibrahimovic seems to be um, doing his best to keep it murky. So I, I just wonder if Mourinho knows which, feels which, which way the wind is blowing and thinks, might think to himself, well, sorry, if he's going, then I'm going to give Rashford a few games before the end of the season, particularly if top four looks unlikely or is gone. Because, you know, to see what I need to do next season in terms of reinforcement last question of the night is from the Austin Reds account uh, and it's it's one we haven't actually it's an issue we actually haven't mentioned all day not even in the squad today was Anthony Martial is Martial a one trick pony with a flawed attitude or a victim of Jose's tactics and mind games 
Um, the idea of Martial being a one-trick pony, given what we saw last season, now I, I don't think anyone genuinely thinks that. He's clearly got a lot of talent. You know, he bailed us out of games on countless times and sprinkled what was an incredibly drab season with Stardust on occasion. So I don't think it's that. I, I think there's clearly some problem in terms of what he's been asked to do by Mourinho that's making it more difficult for him to recreate that kind of form that we saw so often that seemed just to be on tap when he was playing under Van Gaal last year. I definitely think there's an aspect of Mourinho's mind games coming into play here and he would not be the first player under Mourinho or indeed under Mourinho this season to struggle with that aspect. It's very hard to gain your best form and to play play yourself back into confidence if you if you never last it more than a game or if you you have one single poor game and don't play again. I think there are concerns about the way Mourinho has managed the young players this season. It doesn't necessarily mean it's terminal for them. And I, I'm sure there are things going on with Martial that we don't know about. But I just have this, this, this ongoing hope that he appears in the next game. I'd love to see him start against Anderlecht. I mean, he's not, we're not going to play a, a weaker opponent at home all season, like, uh, in the remainder of the season. And I think he could give them a really torrid time if he's on his game. You know, I think everyone's greatest, greatest fear is that, that Mourinho writes him off and after what we saw last season, that, that would be such a shame. and The amount of money we'd lose on him as well would be absolutely astonishing. So I just hope that he gets a few games for the end of the season and he can show enough that Mourinho thinks that it's worth persisting with him into next season. Yeah, I mean, let's hope it's a bit more than just persisting with him because he's clearly got immense talent. It's just, you know, you do have to defer to the manager on these sort of things because it's not like we obviously have any say, but it would be a gigantic shame if we were to lose Martial for any reason based on the fact that Mourinho is just struggling to get the best out of him and he's not quite fitting in with what he wants. Quick one, last one of the night from Exard in Texas because he got it in just towards the end. Uh, why has it taken so long to get 10 outfield players busting a gut for 90 minutes? Uh, maybe they were worried about their Champions League bonus? <laughs> well, apparently United as standard have clauses in contracts that reduce wages by about 25% if we miss the Champions League. So that must be a bummer if your, your wages drop from 150 to whatever. I don't know what that was today. I, I hope I hope it'll start something new. I hope, it, but I wonder if Mourinho just got them really fired up for this game against Chelsea. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. All right, Richard, let's leave it there for the evening, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over the internet. You can get the pod at at Red Voices MUSC, Richard Richard Can seventy six, me at you and Leonard, and our blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a cracking week. We will likely be back after Burnley next weekend. Take care. Cheerio. 